Are you waiting for everything to be perfect before you decide to enjoy life? Stop waiting. Start living. Welcome to Life in 22 Minutes with Scott and Becky McIntosh, where you will hear inspiring stories from imperfect people living life with courage, humor, and a whole lot of love, despite challenging circumstances to bring hope to your heart and a smile to your face in only 22 minutes. Now, let's welcome the host of the show, Scott and Becky McIntosh. Welcome everyone to Life in 22 Minutes. I'm Becky and sitting next to me is my husband and co-host Scott. Hello. <laughs> you don't like that hello? Uh, we have someone that's really, really special and dear to our heart with us today. Her name is Melinda Bird. She's a part of our, our National Speakers chapter and she's she's trying to dab her feet into in the, the speaking world and I tell you, she has a, a story that will inspire, and, and she needs to get out there. And even though it's it's uncomfortable, she tells me to, to speak about herself. Um, she's going to have to kind of get out of her comfort zone today and speak about herself and her story. It's inspiring, and she has a lot of a love oozing from her. So let me tell you a little bit about her. Melinda was born with a rare congenital disorder that I don't know how to pronounce, so you'll do that in a, in a minute. <laughs> and her parents were told that she would never live to be a year old, and that if she did, she would never walk, talk, sit up, or do anything. Her parents, however, felt differently. When she passed the one-year mark, they said she wouldn't live to be a teenager. But her birthdays came and went. Her parents never put limitations on her and discouraged her to do anything she to do anything she wanted, even learning to drive a car. Today, she is 44 years old and is defying all the odds. She is a breast cancer survivor and the mother to seven dogs, one cat, one bunny, and two sugar gliders. They are her fur babies. Melinda, welcome to our show. Thank you. I'm excited to be here. <laughs> so, well, what's the word you couldn't pronounce? Oh, yeah, yeah. So the rare condition is called sacral agenesis, and basically what that means is my spine stopped growing at the bottom of my rib cage. I do have feet and toes, but they're just tiny. So basically they said that my, the lower half of my body grew about a third of the rate of the upper half. So, I'll like, so I'll, how tall are you? I'm like two feet, two inches. Two feet, two, two feet, inches. Two, that's 22. Two, two. <laughs> and you're 44, the double the 22. So perfect. Yeah, we we told you twos. she was perfect to be on yeah. our show. <laughs> and I was going to say my legs look like frog legs. That's the best way I can describe them. In but fact, they're very annoying because they get caught on stuff. Because you just kind of get in the way. They're, you don't use your legs. No, other than just to balance, you know, when I'm sitting. Mm -hmm. I've seen you several times. You've always been in a motorized wheelchair. And today, while we're waiting for you, all of a sudden the doorbell rings. And I'm thinking, she must have somebody here with her. Because how did she get up to the porch? And I open the door, and there you are. And you've got shoes on each hand, and you walk on your hands. I do. That is impressive. That is impressive. That's such strength to, to do that. And, and it's just been a whole lifetime of you learning how to adapt. Yes, that's, that's exactly it. Adapt. And I owe that to my parents because they, they just always said I could do whatever I wanted. You know, and they, they pushed me to, right. which I really appreciate. I wouldn't be the person I am today without their influence that way. And do you have siblings? I have one older brother. 
He's three years older than me. Okay, three years older. And what was your relationship growing up? We were the typical brother and sister. We pounded on each other. Yeah. <laughs> we teased each other. Yeah. We had a good love-hate relationship <laughs> that has continued into adulthood. And we're super competitive with each other. So, in fact, there was a time that we were out boating, and I was on the tube with my niece and nephew, and he was determined to throw me off. Well, I've got pretty good upper body strength, you know, and my nephew would fall off, my niece would fall off, but I'd still be on. And I was about to get off so some of the other kids could go, and he's like, no, just go one more time, just one more time. I'm like, okay. (laughs) So he takes off, and he just is going in circles, so we're hitting the wake, you know, and we're flying. And all of a sudden, like I said, my leg likes to hook, my legs like to hook things, and it hooked one of the handles. And I actually snapped my tibia and fibula in half mm-hmm. right wow. above my foot. And I felt it. And I'm like, okay, what do I do? Do I let go? Do I land back down on it? And I'm like, nope, I think you better let go. So I flew off into the water and he was really happy. Because that's what his goal <laughs> yeah. was. Yeah. yeah. You know, until he found out why I flew in the water. Yeah. Of course, he didn't believe me at first. He's like, oh, no, you didn't break your leg. I'm like, yeah, I did. Oh, man. And then he felt bad, I hope. <laughs> yeah, he did. He he actually didn't believe me, though, until he saw it. Wow. Yeah. Okay, so you started off life being born this little baby that only has a spine down to the bottom of your ribs. So you're, mainly your body is just from your bottom of your ribs up as, as a trunk. I mean, you've got what you said, legs, mm-hmm. but they don't really express themselves. There's no. just mainly your upper body yeah. from, from your waist above. Right. That's all you ever knew. Right. So what was it like going to school and being amongst other kids? And was it tough to watch them go out and do things that they could do? Or was it you just kind of realized what you could do and what they could do and it was different? Or, or How did all that work? How did that play in your mind? And, and were kids kind to you? I know that's a lot of questions. Um. When I started school, I actually went to a handicap unit, and my mom's like, no, she needs to be out in, with the other kids. There's, she can be in here for a while, but she needs to spend part of the day out. And it was interesting the very first day that I went into a regular classroom, I guess you could call it. Um, the kids were interested, you know, obviously I look different, but I made friends really quickly. And mm. as far as like, what they did, I'd go out and do it with them. I'd play on the jungle gym. I'd hang from the bars. I'd flip around them. So there wasn't really anything that I didn't try to do. But there was one time that they recess was over and they left me hanging on one of the bars. And I had to just let go. And it wasn't too far, but I did get hurt, you know. And, of course, everybody felt really bad that Because that you don't have any ability to land on legs and spring. No. You just right. landed, boom. Yeah. Yeah, and stuff, but always the kids seem to kind of gravitate around me. I don't know why. My mom always told me that the teachers liked having me in their classrooms because I kind of brought a calmness and a peace to the classroom where they, you know, a lot of classrooms are kind of rambunctious. The ones that I was in always seemed to be a little on the quieter side, and she's like, I don't know why you do that, but you do. It is a peaceful energy about you, and... Kids can sense that and feel that. And so in 2002, you did something kind of spectacular. Yes. You were the torchbearer for the Paralympic Games in, that was held in Utah. 
So how did you get to become a torchbearer, and what was that like? That's a really interesting story because my mom actually asked me if she want, if I wanted her to nominate me to carry the torch for the regular Olympics. And I was like, no, I don't need to do that. Well, when they started doing the torch run and everything, I was like, you were so dumb. Why didn't you go ahead and let her do that, you know? Well, by that time, obviously, it was too late. Well, we came home from work one day, and there was a message on the phone, and I listened to the message, and I started to cry. And my mom's freaking out, you know, and she's like, what, what? And I'm like, just hold on a second, you know. And so I got off the phone, and I'm like, Mom, how did you do this without me knowing? And she's like, what do you mean? And I'm like, I've been selected to carry the torch for the Paralympic Games. Mm -hmm. And she's like, I didn't have anything to do with that. You told me no. Well, what had happened is a coworker had nominated me, Mm -hmm. you know. And so it, it was just amazing that I wanted to do it, but I told him, you know, I decided not to. And then I had a coworker and it was the most amazing thing ever to, and I was so honored to carry it for the Paralympics, you know, and it was neat because I actually handed it off to an IOC member right before the, at Liberty Park, they have the All Abilities Playground. I was right before that. So it was just, it was just so amazing. And I, I have my torch. Oh, you get to keep the torch. Yes. If, if you pay for it. (laughs) There's always a catch. Yeah. And they said that you, if you paid beforehand, you could actually take your torch right then. If you didn't, then they couldn't guarantee you would get your torch that you mm-hmm. carried. You know, and they said that all of them burned differently. I still have the soot and everything in the glass. So we paid it, but what's really cool, too, is my coworkers found out. And so they sent out an email to everybody that we want to buy Melinda's torch, and they actually had to tell people to stop giving. That's neat. So where do you work? I work for the federal government. At ATK. Do we like the federal government? I don't sometimes. <laughs> what is it that you do? I'm a management assistant. That's awesome. So I guess I could say I babysit. Yeah. <laughs> I'm just kidding. How many years have you been doing that? Um, at the end of this month, it'll be 26. Wow. So right out of high school, you went and started working there? Pretty much. Yeah. It was. I went to Slick for a little while. Okay. And then they... Slicks the community college, college, local community college, yeah. What is something that you fear? Or what's your biggest fear? Um, Probably my biggest fear is, this is going to sound so sad, but disappointing my parents. Just because they were both such great people, amazing. I just want to live up to what they instilled in me, and sometimes I don't think I'm doing it. Are your parents still around? No, they've both passed. They've both passed away. I yeah. believe that they would yeah. feel that you exceeded their <laughs> expectations. Exactly. I know it's a weird one, but I just yeah. And I and I think that's a fear of of a lot of people. Um, I know in the LGBT community that I'm so involved in, I hear that a lot from from those them that reach out to me. Is that that's a fear? Yeah. So I think that's a very common fear to yeah dis disappoint. Um, so you were diagnosed with breast cancer. I was. You're a breast cancer survivor. What I was am. that like to be diagnosed and, and what was the process through that? You know, it was really hard at first because about a year and a half, maybe a little bit longer than that, I had just lost my mom to colon cancer. Oh. And then I was diagnosed with breast cancer. And 
the lump my dog actually found, one of my dogs actually found, and it was the 4th of July. The morning of the 4th of July we were playing, and he, yeah, he found it. And, of course, what do you do when you find something like that? You get on Google. I didn't think I was going to make it till morning. I was going to (laughs) die, you know. But I was able to get into my doctor the next day, and they didn't sent me over for a mammogram. I mean, it all happened so fast. And then they did a biopsy, and I knew it was going to be cancer. I just knew it. Mm -hmm. I I could feel it, you know. And so I'm trying to prepare myself for what's going to be coming next, you know. And I'm like, do I want to do the chemo? Do I want to do what they suggest I do? And the first thought came into my mind was, you asked mom to do it, so you better do it. So I was going to do whatever they said. The test came back that I only had to have radiation, so I was super blessed. I caught it really early. It hadn't gone into any of my lymph nodes. Mm. But going through the radiation, I saw a lot of women that were not so lucky. And it really opened my eyes, you know, and it, it changed me. It changed me for the fact that I finally understood what my mom felt like. You know, because there would be days that maybe I wasn't quite as supportive as I should have been, you know. And I finally understood. And and I look back on that and I'm like, maybe that's why it happened, to have a little more compassion. I so wish she was here so I could tell her. And now you're an advocate. I am. And also for, watch where you put your cell phone. Mm -hmm. Because where the lump was was where I would carry my cell phone. And I will stop people on the street that I don't even know. And if I see their cell phone, I'll just say to them, I'm like, this is what happened to me. I just want to let you know, you know, I'm not telling you what to do, but we did the BRCA test. There was no reason I should have gotten it. I don't have the gene. And my lump was really close to the surface too. So I think that, yeah. Contributed to that. Yeah. Yeah. I know the cell phone companies aren't going to like that. (laughs) That's what you feel in your heart. We're not sponsored by one of those. (laughs) And I know that you you do a lot of volunteer work. I do. So tell us about that. I love animals, as you can (laughs) tell by all the fur babies I have. Um, A few years ago, I started volunteering with Humane Society of Utah. I, I love it there. They're like my family. I started out walking dogs. Till one of them almost got away from me. And then I'm like, okay, that's not cool. Because if something happens to one of them in my care, it will do me in. So I switched over to doing the big events. You know, and so I sell a lot of retail. That's what I usually do. But I love going in and just seeing the, and give, giving the love to all the babies that are in there waiting for their future home. Their new home. Yeah. And have you ended up adopting some of those pets? Is that how you have so many? It's funny because that's one of the reasons I kind of hesitated going there because I'm like, how are you (laughs) going to just be able to leave them? Um, The only one I have that's from the Humane Society is the bunny. And the reason I have him is because when I started, they asked me if I'd be a foster parent. And I'm like, yes, I will, but only to small caged animals because I'm like, I... I can't do that to my dogs. They'll freak mm-hmm. out and everything. So I agreed to that. And I've done guinea pigs. I've done uh, other bunnies. Mm-hmm. But the one that I have now, he has a little bit of cage aggression. Mm-hmm. And so he's not adoptable. So he's actually, they eventually just adopted him out to me. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So it wasn't really a planned adoption. <laughs> and it's not like I went in and adopted him. It's just kind of happened. How it happened. 
Now, there's a documentary of your life. How did that come about? Oh, you kind of rolled your eyes. You I, <laughs> I, I did because it didn't turn out like I thought mm-hmm. it was supposed to. I had a friend in, in my neighborhood that did an article about me, and it was in the Herald down here in Utah County. And somehow a production company over in England found it. And so they contacted me because they wanted to do some stories about people with disabilities. And they told me at the beginning that it would be about my life, very inspirational. And I'm like, sweet, that sounds awesome. Then all of a sudden it turned into the dating game. And I was not a happy camper. <laughs> I've never watched it. I've My family's watched it. My friends have. They say it was really amazing. It was done really well mm. and everything. Mm-hmm. It was nice. And I'm glad I did it. But... If I was to ever do it again, there would be certain things that would be... You'd have some stipulations. Yeah, because yeah, they were determined to find me a husband, and I'm like... That wasn't the purpose. No, <laughs> and especially when they kept telling me I needed to get rid of my babies mm. in order to get married. And I'm like, no, we're going to have it. In fact, that's when I actually got Oscar the Dachshund. <laughs> I'm going to add to my family. Exactly. <laughs> Someone loves me, they love us all. We're a full package. And that's what I think. I think that if there is someone out there, and I believe they are out there, I just haven't met them yet, but that's something that they'll love about me. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. What do you, what do you, how does your day go? You know, you, you got up this morning, you got here by yourself. You don't have any family. Your parents have passed on now. You take care of yourself. How do you how do you manage and just get through, drive, do all those kinds of things? Um, my biggest struggle is getting all the fur babies taken care of. That that's like a major project in the mornings. You know, so we we get up super early. You don't and, ever get to sleep in when you have animals. Right. No, and you they know, they, they let you know. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Even on days that you don't feel good, they're staring at you in the face to be fair yeah you know and everything and so once I get them taken care of it's probably just like everybody else you know I get in the car take off to wherever I need to go and you drive I do drive how do you do the foot controls um I have hand controls that are attached to them it's just one lever and it depends on which way you push it controls either the gas or the brake okay the thing that's nice about the controls I have on my car is anybody can drive my car because mm-hmm. the pedals are still there. Right. So. There isn't anything that you can't do. You may have to do it differently, exactly. but you can do it. Yep. Mm-hmm. Just give me some time. I'll figure it out. Yep. Yeah. I heard that you ride four-wheelers and that you possibly got hurt. I did. <laughs> Share that story. We were down at Sand Mountain, me, my dad and my brother and... I was determined to go up the face, the belly, not the face, the belly of Sand Mountain. And so I took, I finally got a four-wheeler that was strong enough and I took off to go up it. But nobody warned me that at the bottom of the hill, it's like a washboard. And so I just, I hit the gas and went. I hit those, what they call whoops, and I started bouncing. And my dad was behind me and he said, I could actually see straight through to the mountain because I was just hanging on. (laughs) <laughs> the handlebars and eventually the, with this upper body strength yep, you have yep. yes. and eventually the four-wheeler turned one direction only i kept going straight and i yeah, hit my foot on the handlebars and actually broke that pretty good but i i broke my knee wow. and kind of rolled up sand mountain a little bit that tells you how fast i was going right. and of course down there everybody loves to help 
And so I'm crashed on the ground and people just, it's like ants, <laughs> you know, right on me. And of course my dad, he comes over and he's like, are you okay? And I'm like, yes. I'm like, just put me on the four wheeler. I'm like, we got to get out of here. Right back on. <laughs> get out of there. Oh. You know, and stuff. Oh. But it didn't stop me. That was. Have you ever ridden horses? Yes, I have. Did you like that? Was that a good experience? It was. In fact, I was the first one to get on my dad's stallion. Really? Yeah. So I was the guinea pig. You are courageous and love adventure. I am. <laughs> Another thing that I did that about did my mom in, she always said that I, ha- I was born with the X gene, which is adventure. And she's like, I don't know where you got it because neither one of us have it. <laughs> and I, I, that's one thing that I did drive my parents nuts with. I always wanted to try everything. But we were out at the state fair one year, and they had a tower for bungee jumping. And it's something that I've always wanted to do. And so I'm like, I want to do this, you know. And so I went up, and my mom was standing next to me. The, I was old enough to sign for myself. I just didn't have my driver's license with me to prove it. So she had to sign for me. And she was like, I don't think I can do this because what if you get hurt? And I'm like, Mom, there's a big, huge airbag. If I fall, I'm going to land on the airbag. Everything's going to be cool, you know. And so she signed, but it was an interesting experience. Free falling like that, that's not normal. I don't like that feeling. <laughs> it scares me. But, yeah, it was it was super fun, and I would do it again in a heartbeat. Well, see, I've bungee jumped a bunch, and I've done it by the ankles. Yeah. And I've also done it by the harness around your waist. Yeah. But in your situation, they don't have a harness. They had to... They had to get a little creative. Yeah, they did. And it was funny because my dad was really nervous about it, too. So he followed me up the tower mm-hmm. to make sure everything was... Did you walk the up the tower? I did walk up the tower. Oh, my gosh. And I remember it was like that that grate. So it was oh, yeah. really hard on my uh, hands. But, right. you know, and I got up at the top and I looked over the edge and there was this red dot in the middle of the airbag. And I'm like... For one split second, I'm like, Melinda, what are you doing? <laughs> you know? But the only way to get down is e- there's two options. Either I go off or I walk back down. I'm like, I'm not walking back down. Well, not only that, but I'm like, no, that's just not me mm-hmm. to give yeah. up. So. so you jumped. I did. I fell off backwards. Wow. That's, <laughs> awesome. that's awesome. Way to go. So we're rounding our 22 minutes. It goes by really, really fast. It does. What are some parting words? What are some words of wisdom and inspiration that you would like to leave with our, our listeners? Um, my biggest thing is don't let people stop you. If you want to do something, you can do it. You know, I, I think people try to put limitations on others. I felt that growing up, you know, and that's what stops us is when... Somebody tells you you can't do it, and you know that you can. And so I just hope people realize that anything is possible. You know, you just have to believe in yourself and do it. Yeah, absolutely. So thank you so much, Melinda, for for gifting us with your presence and your sense of humor and your love for life. You're just an inspiration, and Mm -hmm. we're just so pleased to know you. Thank you. Thanks for listening to Life in 22 Minutes. If you liked what you heard, tell your friends about us and please subscribe to us on iTunes and leave a review. Your review will help us to broaden our audience. Until next time, don't wait for things to be perfect. Get out there and live life with courage, humor, and a whole lot of love.